Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Of Faith on Fire. I'm Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I'm Pastor Vince Haney from Rama Word of Faith Empowerment Ministries, the Word Church. Welcome back to another exciting broadcast of Faith on Fire. Uh, we've been speaking on the subject of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And just before we got started, I was led to this scripture over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Oh, well, it starts at verse 9. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, here's the revelation in verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Again, God's given us, it says over in First Peter, He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. And He's going to reveal those promises to us through His Word, but that Spirit in us, that new recreated Spirit that we receive from God, from heaven, when we got born again, it bears witness to the, the truth of those things. So again, he just said, I have not seen nor ear heard or entered in the heart of man the things God has prepared. God's prepared a lot of things for us. But you know what? We have to allow the, the spirit of the Lord to lead us. In another, On another note, Jesus said in John 6, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. We understand that in the beginning was the word, and in the beginning says the spirit of the Lord hovered over the universe. So God is a spirit. He says his word is a spirit, and then he places in us his spirit. So we need the spirit. And, again, he's going to reveal some stuff to us through his spirit, through his word. And he said these are, your eye can't even fathom this, this things I have for you. And like we were speaking on yesterday, he said if you got Low self-esteem, I got some high self-esteem for you. That's what Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. God's got something for us, and we just got to go ahead and receive it. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. And part of that more abundant life is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives to us and acknowledges that spirit that lives in us. Well, see, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, except for the spirit gives just wisdom about these things. See, the interesting thing there, and a lot of people don't realize this, is that unbelievers can't see any of the things that God has prepared for them. 
He says that in the next verse, too. Right. <laughs> that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot see any of the things that God has prepared. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. And so to a person who is not a believer, that it's almost as if they don't exist in some ways because they just can't see them. They can't see all the promises of God. They can't see all the things that God has said about how he will lead us, he will guide us, he will always be with us, he will never leave us nor forsake us, and they never see that those things aren't real to them. Unfortunately, too often, even as believers, even as Christians, we don't see those things. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to teach us everything. We we want to do some things on our own. We think that we can handle some of the things that in our life on our own. And so God wants to give us things. He wants to give us peace that we don't accept. He wants to give us joy that we may not accept. And he has all these gifts that he wants to give to his people. But sometimes, even as believers, we are blinded to that truth. And we cannot see it except as through the Holy Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important in day-to-day life. Because not only does he give us power, but he opens our eyes to the things. God still heals people. That there is healing available for God's people. There are people, even as Christians, who don't really believe that. Oh, yes, I know if I get a cold, God still heals people from a cold. Or if I have a backache, yeah, God could probably... But other things that the doctor says, you know, I don't see any hope. I know a lot of Christians, as soon as the doctor says, I don't see any hope, they say, well, I don't either. And right. we just put God right out of it. Well, and I know other people who say, the, the doctor said, you've got to take this pill. You'll never, you'll never be healed. You've got to just take this pill to hide your symptoms for the rest of your life. And I know a lot of Christians that just automatically say, well, that, that must be the case. Well, Jesus told us something real important. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So he wasn't referring to these appendages on the side of our face. He was talking about your spiritual ears, those ones that you get when you get born again. He says, hear with those, not stop listening in the natural. Listen like when Peter got out of the boat. Peter heard something that the other guys didn't hear. He was listening with his spiritual ear. And as we were just, uh, and that's how you're going to, Receive those things that God has prepared for us before the foundation of the world. Those things he said that I have not seen or ear heard or entered in the heart of men. Those things he's prepared for those who love him. He's prepared a lot of things. And as you were just speaking on that, I was reminded of the scripture I went to last night at Bible study in uh, John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said this. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, I believe that was Nicodemus because he was asking about being born again. It said, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't, like you say, he doesn't, he can't see it. He can't even partake in the kingdom of God if you're not born again. None of it makes any sense, even if you could somehow see it. Well, if you don't get born again, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Right. You can't just get the Holy Spirit just by... Well, I'm going to store and buy him. No, you can't buy the Holy Spirit. You have to receive Jesus you got to go through the door. And Jesus says, I am the door. Actually, he went further to say, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. So, And no man comes to the Father except through the Son. So once you accept and receive the Son, you have a right to become a child of God. And now the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell inside of you forever. And then he's going to start revealing those things to you that have been freely given to us from the promises of God. And again, if 
if he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So if you are sick, he says, let the sick say I'm healed. Because those are some of the things he prepared for you. Those are some of the things. He said, let the, the poor say that I'm rich. You got to start, because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal these things through the spirit that's in you and the, the word. But our job as Christians is to agree with God. Right. We're a child of God. What Paul says, if he gave us all these things when we were not believers, when we were enemies of God, what will he hold back now that we are the children of God? And it, it just it saddens me, really, that so many Christian people, as we've talked about before, live below where God wants them to. They live in fear. They live in depression. They live in all the in places where God doesn't want them to live because they have forgotten that, in fact, they are the children of God, that God says, I'm going to give you everything you need. There's, there's nothing that you will ever need that I will not give you. All things are possible through me. And so many Christians live like they don't actually really think that is going to be true, that, that somehow in this situation that won't happen. We have got to reclaim and regain who we are in our own minds, if nothing else, that, yes, God really does mean it when he says that all things are possible through him, that he will give me all that I need in every situation. And here's the simplest process to manifesting what God's, those things that he said, I have not seen, ear have not heard, or entered in the heart of man, the things God prepared for those who love him. He's already prepared those things for those who love him. And if I just ask Ramley, do you love Jesus? Most people will say, yeah. But so, okay. He said also, uh, well, she suppose I go. <laughs> I have not seen, ear have not heard, enter in the heart. Go ahead. <laughs> I just had a loss of thought words right now. <laughs> when, okay, here when we go. When you talk to people, and I think we mentioned this once before, and they say, I've just got to be a real, realistic about my situation. Yes, I know that God says that that he changes lives. I know that God says that he changes people, but I I've, I've got to be realistic here. I I just you know, th- this is probably a little bit too tough for God. And we want people to realize and we want people to understand that when God says that nothing is beyond him, that he actually means it. That when God says that he will provide for us, that he actually means it. Okay, my thought came back. The real simple process for manifesting the promises of God, believe it, receive it, conceive it. Because once you believe it, receive it, you will conceive it. It's like a seed. And and then achieve it. It's real simple. Believe it, receive it, conceive it, and then achieve it. And back to the scripture in Corinthians. I'm going to go back to verse 10, 210. But God has revealed these things that he's talking about. He said he's revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, look at verse 16 real quick. He gives you a reminder because he concludes this up in chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? You have to get a revelation of that. He says, it's like he's shaking you. Do you not know, Richard, that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God? Uh, yes, I know. Well, act like it then. Well, we started this whole thing in John 14 where he says that the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would dwell in you. And he keeps reminding us over and over, especially in the New Testament, 
how this temple, and then he goes back to verse 17 and says it again. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Yeah, God lives inside of us. And he lives inside of us for a reason, for a purpose. And you have to grab onto that purpose and let God be God in you. Remember, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let him be you. So push aside low self-esteem and all this I can't. You know, put. I heard a pastor say last night, when you're rolling with God, it's not I can't. Put me in a can. I can. Yeah, get it? Put me in a can. <laughs> I can, not I can't. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can be who God says you are. You can have what God says you have. You can do what he says you can do, and you are who he says you are. And that's, he's the author and the finisher. If God said it, that settles it. Well, see, we have to agree with him, though. There you see, go. You even, have to agree. I agree even, with him. That's why my faith's on fire. We still have to agree with God. I agree and 100%. how many Christians do you know and I know, and everybody probably knows, that they just don't really agree with God. Yes, they know it. They hear it, and they kind of believe it. Well, their faith's not on really fire. And our job God. is to ignite one's faith on fire. That's the, the mature Christians. Our job is to ignite others' faith on fire. Because agreeing with God's word means you're in faith with God. You trust God. You have confidence in him. And the scripture says in 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And because we know he hears, hears we have those petitions or those things we ask for. It's confidence. It's, we, we see in this country, we've been programmed to put confidence in everything else but God. And here it is on our dollar bills. It says hut. In God we, we trust. And you got to ask yourself, you got to examine yourself and say, do I really? Or is it in job I trust? Is it in government I trust? Or my money in the bank? Yeah, is that my, my stocks I trust? No, God wants us Christians to have 100% trust in him. He wants to be our sole source of everything. He is the source. That's why he says, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He didn't say looking unto your job, looking unto your government, looking unto politicians. He said look unto Jesus. Which reminds I, I, You know, it's funny because last night at our Bible study, we were talking, we were coming to the end of Revelation, and we're in Revelation 21 where he says that the, there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, for all those things have passed away. And the beginning of the Bible, we see the fall of man, as Milton wrote, Paradise Lost. And then at the end of Revelation, we see people with God again, and we see paradise regained, is what I like to call it. So we have paradise lost, and now we have paradise regained. Where And then in between, the whole Bible is God revealing how he's doing that. And so we have got to come back to the realization that we are actually the children of God, and that God is bringing us into relationship with him, and that we are righteous because he says that we're righteous. Not because we said we are righteous. We are righteous because God says that we are righteous. We are justified before God because God said that we're justified. Not a man, not anybody else, but that God says that we are justified. He is the one who gives us grace through faith. He's the and, justifier. And he is the one 
who is leading us and guiding us in our life, or at least he should be the one who is leading <laughs> us and guiding us in every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. And so it is so important for Christian people, once again, to realize who it is they are. Amen to that. Amen to that. And again, the Holy Spirit. Again, you have to start acknowledging the Holy Spirit. And again, when we get born again, I was saying this last night at Bible study, when you get born again, receive Jesus, Lord and Savior, get saved, your next step should be getting baptized, water baptized. After that, you should be on a continual regimen of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to renew your mind to what he said in the word, because in the beginning was the word of God. You got to start believing God's word because the Bible says in Colossians, you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son or into the kingdom of God or into the kingdom of light. So now you got to learn how to operate in this kingdom. Jesus came over and says in Mark one, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. And you were saying earlier that God's the new Testament shows us God's plan for restoring man. Well, the most part of that plan, I'm probably not saying this right, includes Jesus. It is well, Jesus. Is the plan. Yeah, he is the plan. Yeah, he's the door. So you have, and Jesus said, I'm going to leave to with you the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus said this is what you need to operate in this new reality called the kingdom of God to be restored, because Adam and Eve lived like in the Garden of Edom, which was God's kingdom, and Jesus came to redeem and reconcile and restore mankind back to God. And we have to learn now what Adam and them knew or should have known or should have done. And that's found in God's word. So if God says, I'm going to give you this helper to help you rule and reign in life, to be an overcomer, you need that spirit. Because remember, here's one thing we talked about yesterday. The Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance all the things that the Lord has said to you through his word. So you need that helper. You know, I wish I could have, well, we all wish we can have a personal assistant. Well, he is our personal assistant to navigate us, you know, conducting kingdom affairs, which kingdom affairs work here in this earth too. Because that's what God wants us to do, subdue and and make disciples of all nations. In order to make the disciples of all nations and be ministers of reconciliation, we're going to need the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. Well, see, we're not to be conformed anymore to the to this world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And it was very interesting last night as we came to the end of our Bible study. We were talking about how God has restored man into a relationship with him. And somebody mm-hmm. brought up the fact that, well, they aren't going to allow the kids to say the Pledge of Allegiance in North some town in North Dakota. They say they don't have time, and so there's not going to be the Pledge of Allegiance in North Dakota. And while I say the Pledge of Allegiance, and I don't have a problem with the Pledge of Allegiance, I told him, I said, you know what? The Pledge of Allegiance isn't in the Bible. The, the hey, Pledge hey, of Allegiance hey, is not in the Bible. Hey, the U.S. Hey. Constitution is not in the Bible. And as good as those things might be, and as glad as I might be that I live in the United States and that we have a Constitution that gives us certain freedoms and and rights, they are not found in the Bible. And so we get conformed to the world, and we think, well, the most important thing in the world is the U.S. Constitution. The most important thing in the world is that I can say the Pledge of Allegiance. And those things are the most... No, they are not. The Word of God is the most important thing. 
But we get conformed to the world. The world says politics are the most important thing. The world says, you know, and I mentioned this last night. A lot of Democrats think they've got the handle on God, that God's on their side. And a lot of Republicans think they've got the handle on God, that God's on their side. And God's got his own side. And it's not a political side. God is not a Democrat. God is not a Republican. God is God. And we have got to listen to his Holy Spirit and follow him, not think that he is going to follow us. I cannot say it enough. The Constitution isn't in the Bible. The Bible is about God. The Bible is about revealing who he is and the plan that he has for you and I. So don't be conformed to the world and think, well, it's all about politics. It's all about we got to get this person elected or that person elected. And then once we could get... If we could just get enough Democrats elected, the world would be okay. Or if we could just get enough Republicans elected, the world would be okay. Or if we could just get a new president, the world would be okay. No, the Bible is, a, is God's word, and we spend so much time. So Christians argue about whether or not the Pledge of Allegiance should be said, and in the meantime... Millions of people are dying and going to hell while we worry about whether the Pledge of Allegiance should be said. We have got to no longer be conformed to the world and think like the world thinks that all these things are the most important thing in the world and in life when they are not. God and His Word are the most important things in human life. And we have got to get back to that. We've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to once again remember that God's word is what is important. And that's, that was the command that Jesus gave uh, the disciples that spent those three years with him in his ministry. He told them, now, don't go out. I want you to go out and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. You know, he teach- didn't say go out and get political conversations. Right, right. He says, teaching them all the things that I taught you. But then he said, but hold on, wait a minute. Don't leave until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's going to be your power source. That's going to enable you to go to talk about the government of the kingdom of God, which is a superior government government that's not attached to any world system. And if you just think about it, those disciples, there was a political system set up when they were uh, doing ministry. But their job wasn't to conform to that political system. Their job was to preach the gospel to anybody that would receive it and then get them to come on to the kingdom side. Because we know Jesus ministered to politicians, tax collectors, harlots. He ministered to everybody, but he wasn't taking any sides. He was telling them, side with God. And that's what we need to do as a nation, as a people. That's what we're supposed to be promoting, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And you can't do it without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to keep you focused and keep you motivated. And I, as you was thinking, talking about pledging allegiance to flags and constitution, I was thinking about something that the disciples asked Jesus. They say, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pledge allegiance, basically. He said, well, okay, when you pray, pray in, in line with this. Pray like this. Our Father who are in heaven, hollow be your name. I mean, ain't no name greater than your name. Your kingdom come. <laughs> your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for our sins and forgive us the sin against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Well, you got to realize who's the evil one, whoever's doing not the will of God. Leave us with the evil one and uh, forgive us our, tres- our trespasses. <laughs> we forgive those who trespass against yes, us. us. Yeah, but you deliver- know, but- and, and, you know, you go back to what you were saying there. Jesus didn't come to overthrow the Romans. Now, there are a lot of people in, in Jewish people who thought that that's what his kingdom coming meant, that he was going to get rid of those Romans, that he was going to overthrow them, that he was going to set up a new government. Well, you know what? We got Jesus some Christians come... like that today that still thinks that about right. well, both of those parties we were just talking about. Say, <laughs> that a lot of people, Jesus didn't come to change the government. He no. didn't come to get rid of the Romans. And Jesus, if he were here today, would not... I, I am absolutely positively convinced that Jesus would not be carrying a sign for any political party. That Jesus would not have a sign in his front yard for any political party. That Jesus would be about saving people's souls. That Jesus Mm -hmm. would be about bringing people into a relationship with him, the same as it was when he was here before. Yet there are Christians that think the most important thing is to get certain people elected. And in the meantime... Souls are being lost. People are going straight to hell. And we're arguing about, should a Democrat be elected or a Republican be elected, or should we do this or should we do that? I know Christians that talk nothing else but Obamacare. Some for, some against. But that's all they talk about, as if that's the only thing that's important right now in the world. And I would say to you that people's souls, their salvation, is more important than whether Obamacare works or it doesn't. If it don't work, what you going to do? And if it does work, what are you going to do? The last part of that scripture, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for how long? Forever. Amen. How long is forever? He says, I'm here to set up my own system. And my system comes with not Obamacare, but heaven's care. Is any sickness in heaven? Is any disease, and that's what he says. You pray that on earth. And well, when we're where in Revelation we twenty-one, and we're walking and talking with God, maybe He's going to have some kind of health care up there. No, well, no, well, no. There's not going to be any sickness. That's why He says, "Pray that will concerning the earth Amen. that there's no sickness." I rather, you know, somebody. We like to believe God for healing. I, I rather believe God. Go ahead and believe for divine health. Well, I don't, and I don't get sick because I believe God for divine health. So whether Obamacare or who else care happens or don't happen. Jesus is still my source because I have a revelation that by his stripes I'm healed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. The curse brought in sickness, poverty, and death. So uh, if you start operating in the kingdom like God wants us to, you won't have to worry about anything. Jesus says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. And that's what God wants to get us in total, 100% dependency on him. Wow, and we could go on and on and on and on, but uh, this is going to conclude this segment of Faith on Fire, and we just want to remind you guys out there, just keep walking by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. 
Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.